That's a very hip looking Mike Johnson right there. It is, isn't it? Hey. What it is, Dregs, is someone who just woke up, <laughs> did not know he was coming on camera, and we... elected to put something on Hang on. Head. I'm bringing up the text message. So we're talking about content. I'm sending ideas back and forth. We're all discussing amongst ourselves. Mike Johnson, uh, what is this? 16 minutes ago. Are we doing this today? Question mark. Happy Wednesday to you folks. Welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition, LeBron and Rashad, brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. Got a great podcast in store for you today. Little NHL midpoint roundtable discussion. We'll be joined by Darren Dreger and Mike Johnson to talk about a number of different things as the NHL officially hits the midpoint of the season. Little Oilers talk. We'll talk about the Canucks. Oh. Blew another lead last night in tough fashion to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Little trade chatter, and then our quick hitters segment, where we'll throw some stuff at the guys and see what they spit back at me. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of this company, and they have it proudly displayed on the walls at each of their branches. Every one of their staff members lives by that get-or-done formula to ensure they never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need and when they need it. Absolutely no excuses. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. We're proud to have them as our title sponsors here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. All right, time to check in with all of the fellas. Uh, Darren Dreger and Pierre Lebrun joining us from Toronto. And from what I understand, literally in his father's basement, <laughs> MJ, Mike Johnson. What do you got going on there, Johnny? You got the toque going, you're in dad's basement. What's happening, Listen, man? You know, you know, you know the, the common <laughs> common jab that anyone's like, you're down in your parents' basement on the internet? Well, guess where I am? I'm down in my parents' basement on the computer talking about hockey things i don't know about yes i am uh continuing my homelessness for a little bit while longer and so now i am occupying my parents basement for uh, a few more weeks hey so, can you, so you stand write a blog make now. sure that the what's that you should write a blog write in a the blog. basement yeah oh <laughs> yeah. There, there's a big shot at all the basement bloggers wow, here yeah. stepping out a little bit huh That's johnny stand I'm up one of them stand up I'm let's, one of them. let's let's see if your waist is like halfway down the your, track in your arse. I have a pair oh, of pajama pants? pants on. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. look like track pants. Soft uh, pants is um, what we call them. Yeah, this is me having woken up uh, half an hour ago, knowing I was coming on this 10 minutes ago. Not to suggest I'm not prepared. I'm just saying it wasn't calendared the way I usually do it. See, and this podcast is a little bit different than the much softer Ray and Dregs where they tape, you know, they got lots of time to get up and get themselves together. Like I push you guys early in the morning here. So this is a bit of an earlier morning pod. So Dregs, you have pajama pants. Johnny, you I have do. pajama pants. Pierre, what oh, do you no. got? Let's see the pajama pants. <laughs> How do you know I have any We got two for one, Dregs. <laughs> Surprisingly exactly flexible, Dregs. You pop that leg up like, I'm surprised yeah. your hamstrings have that much give in them. I've seen we you waddle around. We just lost Dregs the rest of the pod. He's done. 
Pierre, Pierre's Pierre got Track those. Pants. Okay, I'll do the same yeah. thing. See, I can't get my leg up that high. Yeah, there you go. We're wearing the same pants. Pajama right. pants. Yeah, all right. Well, we're all we're all in our pajamas. Only one of us is in our dad's basement, though. So, Johnny, I think that gives you permission, Johnny, to be as like controversial and annoying right. as you want on today's hot podcast. takery all day long. Exactly. Yeah. Hot takes from dad's basement. Uh, Pierre, how are you feeling after a twenty-six-six? drubbing of your uh, cowboys from the commanders as they stare down the barrel of uh, Brady and company. Oh, this is great. You know what? When, when you love a football team that has had no playoff success for the most part for 26 years, what better way than to go and play the goat in the first round of the playoffs to get that, right. <laughs> to get that off your back. Oh my yeah. goodness. Have they ever beaten Tom Brady? I don't think the Dallas Cowboys no. have ever won a game against Tom Brady. Brady is seven and zero against the Dallas Cowboys, and yet the Vegas, the Vegas guys, and and uh, MJ's big on the Vegas guys, mm-hmm. uh, have still favored Mystic the Cowboys. Yeah. They, I think, by three. So it's a toss up. But when the visiting team's favored by three um, on the road, it's not quite a toss up. It means that they do think the visiting team is favored. But you never know what you get with my Cowboys, man. They could win big. They could embarrass themselves. It's it's theater. I love it. Who knows? You almost wonder if, like, as a fandom, hockey, football, whatever, if it's better or worse if you're the favorite or a heavy favorite. Like, somehow are you setting yourself for more disappointment if you don't win and you're supposed to as opposed to if you're an underdog or something like that? I almost think it might be worse for Dallas. Tampa's no good this year. Let's be honest. They're terrible. And yet, if you don't beat them this year, it probably makes it worse. Well, they, they were terrible until two weeks ago when they needed to win their division, and then Brady lit up Carolina, and Mike Evans looked like Mike Evans, and I was like, oh, my, of course, just in time for the playoffs. But, you know, O-Dog, O-Dog, I always said this. back, Pierre. <laughs> yeah, I know. Run the ball, you're right. Um, both teams should be running the ball Monday night, by the way, the Bucks and the Cowboys. O-Dog always says this about the Cowboys. He says they're like the Leafs. Is that It's, it's this team that is good every year, and and – gets the fans excited, and then come the playoffs. And that may seem unfair to Lee fans on one side and Cowboys fans on the other, but until both franchises, you know, prove something when it matters, that's what that's what mm-hmm. it's going to be. I think it's actually a decent comparison. Hmm. We need to get ourselves some sort of an NFL sponsor on this pod because we uh... – mm-hmm. and what are you going to be wearing when you watch that game? Like, are you going to be full – You don't put foam gear on hat, to watch at home. Like just, don't tell no. me yes, he gear does. on to watch at home. He puts no, gear on at home for sure. And I've already had a couple of requests from buddies saying, hey, do you want to get together Monday night to watch that game? And the answer was no. I will be alone in my Come office <laughs> with the game on. No family no, around won't. me. I can't, You're gonna lock I can't be around people. In. It's no. too intense for you. You can't even be around anybody, Pierre. This is correct. It's fairly this enjoyable. All, it's so is, intense. Yeah. It's not even enjoyable. Yeah. It's terrible. How is that fun? Like, How is that fun? You're not playing in the game. Like, you're just a fan. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I've got to move on. I'm getting a little. <clears throat> yeah, oh, my goodness. I can't believe that. We're going to have to talk to your wife and get her to sna- take, like, take some video of you just in yeah. your office stressed right out. <laughs> I would love to see that. Okay, guys, we've reached the official midpoint of the the NHL season, so lots to discuss. Let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life, and the drive is on big time for the playoffs, so no better time to outfit yourself with your favorite uh, team's gear. Pro Hockey Life is the place to go. If you want to pick up that jersey, your favorite player, wear it proudly. 
They've got an awesome selection of team apparel, and it doesn't end at the jerseys. They've got a wide range of hats and shirts and souvenirs, everything you need for yourself or the huge hockey fan in your life. So if you want to get yourself adorned in your team's favorite gear, lock yourself in your office, and stress out while you watch the game, Pro Hockey Life is the right place to go uh, ahead of time. But quickly on last night's results, guys, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, Blowing leads was an issue for them early in the year. It's continued throughout the year. How about last night? They blow a 3-0 lead in the first period. The Pittsburgh Penguins come storming back last night. Evgeny Malkin ends up on a four-point night. Uh, but, man, the hardship continues in Vancouver. And I was listening to Bruce Boudreaux's postgame, and I, I feel like we've been talking about Bruce Boudreaux about to be let go on every podcast we've done this year. So, Dregs, I put it to you. If he hasn't gone yet, he's ripped his team. He's you know said things publicly. We've been talking about it constantly. Are they just going to run out the year with him? Like, what, what's the plan here? Yeah, well... I doubt they run out the year with him, but I, it, it has to be considered a, a distinct possibility for obvious reasons. One of them might be, okay, well, if you're firing Bruce, who are you replacing him with? And is the right fit available right now? I mean, Andrew Burnett isn't leaving the Devils. Um, go down the list of, of potential candidates that uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin might want to consider from the outside. So then you're left with, you know, Mike Yo, who's on the bench in Vancouver. You've got Jeremy Carlton in the American Hockey League, who, by the way, I, I think the Canucks have time for, but you're not pulling Jeremy Carlton out of the American League just to get you through to the end of the year, right? So, uh, and and I don't know that they believe, well, I don't think they think he's he's the long-term fit or the answer just yet. So it's, it's possible, it's possible. But I remember reporting on this probably six, eight weeks ago and saying that, I thought February would be the tipping month for Bruce Boudreaux, only so that they could see where they were at in relation to the draft, a non-playoff team. And if the right outside fit wasn't available, then you limp to the end of the regular season with Mike Yo or someone internal. And I, I still feel that that's the most likely scenario. Well, Looks like... Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, don't, don't you think it, like, you look at Bruce's body language, like, whether it's a post-game oh, presser, or behind the bench, and it looks like a guy who's almost resigned to his fate. Like you yeah. saw some clips of him behind the bench, just going like, shaking yeah. his head, yeah. saying like, "I've tried everything. Like what? I don't know what to do with these guys right now, and getting them to play defense with this roster. Um, it would be a be a weird feeling in that in that room right now because they know changes are coming, yeah. relatively significant, and they're just kind of. I mean, they're working to try to win games, but they're not going to make the playoffs, I don't think. Uh, and they got to. And they know like new coach, new captain, new everything could be on its way in the next month or two. So it'd be a kind of a, a tenuous existence in the Canucks room right now. Yeah, and it's worth reminding everyone again, as you guys know, that they're paying Travis Green through June 30th as well. So I think there's only so many coaches you want to pay real money until you figure out potentially if you want a, another coach starting next season. Um, but I think we're also, I mean, the coaching question is, to me, so minute in the bigger picture of what's going on with the Canucks. I mean, you could feel the angst of Canucks fans when you read some of their social media posts and their commentary. I mean, this is a fan base that, that is so frustrated in terms mm -hmm. of the bigger picture vision. Where is this team headed? And, and I think, you know, it has to start with ownership when you consider what is the vision. It starts with him. I mean, this is Aquilini's team, and 
You know, what is he telling Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin? You know, why aren't they doing a full yeah. rebuild? Why did they re-sign JT Miller? These are pertinent questions, I think, that Canucks fans have as far as the true frustration isn't just this season. It's the mm-hmm. whole buildup of, like, what are we doing past this year? You know, why aren't we, why aren't we trying to get into this lottery thing for North Vancouver's Connor Bedard? I think those are real good questions, to be honest. Where was all this angst, though? I just say, like, r- r- we look back. Where were the Canuck fans last summer? Like, were they, Bruce, there it is. Let's sign JT Miller. We're going for yeah. it. We played at a 650 right. clip under Boudreaux. Like, I get the long term, but I didn't, I didn't remember, I don't remember a ton of, we shouldn't be signing JT Miller. Now, no, you might have said that, Pierre, <laughs> but from the fan base, I don't recall this. Like, it's time for a rebuild. This team is kind of flawed mm-hmm. anyways. We may Coming be good, such but we're, a not, great season. we're definitely not great. So, I mean, you know, maybe a little bit uh, revisionist history, too, by the fans, because I don't remember this last summer. Yeah, and look, I I know what the message is from ownership to management, and that's Alvin and and Rutherford, is fix it. It it doesn't do you any good to look. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't do you any good to look back and say, look, we made a mistake. We we, we didn't like the initial Horvat ask, so we quickly turned over because we also didn't like what we were getting in return for JT Miller on the trade front. So we doubled down on JT Miller. You can look back all you want. It's not going to help anything. This when you say fix it. See, and this is the, the plan of the Vancouver Canucks is a unique and an interesting one. And I don't know if it's achievable. It's to to fix it so that this team is ready to be a much better team to the start of next season. Well, when you're pushing Bo Horvat out, and you're pushing Brock Besser out, and and probably other pieces. Maybe Kuzmenko. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we know they want a young center back. We know they want a, a young right shot defenseman. They need to to clear up some cap space. All of those things boiled in in one pot. I don't, I don't know how they can be better next season. I guess we'll find out. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, the comeback win by the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> last night. Real interesting um, decision that the organization made as far as the Penguins go. They were finishing a long road trip on the road in Arizona. Rather than fly home, they made a detour to Montreal to uh, stop in at the wake of Chris Letang's father, Claude. So that meant that their skate on the game day was optional. Not everybody was able to get there. So um, nice gesture by the Pittsburgh Penguins, the entire team. Letang, of course, hurt right now and wasn't with the team. And the whole team showed up at that wake. And then they went out with a real gutsy performance uh, against the Vancouver Canucks in a comeback win. Guys, let's get to the Edmonton Oilers. A little bit of perspective here. Uh, Final four last season. Uh, lots of expectations coming into this year. They sign Evander Kane to the, the longer-term deal. They feel they're deep up front. Uh, they're wanting to take a step forward. Well, as we sit right now, they're 21-18-3. They're sitting in the second wildcard spot, not even in the conversation for one of the top three spots in the division, sitting uh, seven points back of Seattle right now. It would be an unmitigated disaster if somehow this team missed the playoffs, guys. And I don't even, I was thinking about what the reaction would be if it would be scorched earth or what it would be. But the idea of missing the playoffs after a final four year, Johnny, it's very real right now. It's mm-hmm. very possible given the way they're playing and the teams that they're going to be battling with here down the stretch. You say they're an eighth, but they're actually in 10th by point percentage. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's not, they are out of the playoffs halfway yeah. through the year. And Evander Kane, and like everyone can appreciate how good Evander Kane has been at Edmonton. But the fact that you're clinging to Evander Kane to solve all your problems, like 
just wait till Evander Kane gets back. Just wait till Evander. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's really good. He's not that good. Even if he scores goals, like I know he does a lot of things for them. So um, they are, their defense is just porous. Just, just not good. And they have two or the two best offensive players in the world, uh, or two of them, uh, who are on historic paces for career years. And to think that given that kind of production from McDavid and Drysettle, and they're still not in the playoffs, like that's how far away they are. Um, you know, we run down the list, depth scoring, defensive personnel and game planning, inconsistencies in net. Like it's, a, mm-hmm. it's across the board. So my only thing though, guys, like Dregs, when I think about Edmonton, Sometimes Toronto pays attention to Austin Matthews only having a, you know a year left on his contract, whatever. Drysdale only has two. Oh yeah. McDavid only has three. Like they're yeah. wasting, <clears throat> running out of time on the contracts of these two yeah. incredible players. Like I'm never one for like irrational, you know, not well thought out decisions by management. Feels like Edmonton can't be that patient right now. Like they gotta, they gotta go. Like they can't just be like, well, we'll wait for next year can't really afford to wait given given the, the the timeline of these two guys so it's it's surprising because they played much better under Woodcroft last year but their roster's mm. got all kinds of issues so it can't be just go get Joel Edmondson that's not going to fix everything there's multiple things that have to get done um, but I think you got to try to do it all and trade prospects and trade first rounders to be super aggressive this year yeah, I'm with you on that, Johnny. And I mean, your timeline is is bang on. And ownership and senior management knows that. They know that. They're looking at a three-year timeline because of McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's our job to question everybody. It doesn't matter what your management resume is. So it's fair to question the approach here of, of Kenny Holland as GM of the Edmonton Oilers and why we know why he's being so patient. We know he's on the phone and he's talking to all these general managers who who may have defensemen in play. You know, if it were so easy to make a deal, he'd have made a deal by now. And the reason he hasn't made a deal right now is because he doesn't like the asking price. thing that I would submit, though, is how many years does Holland have left? Pierre, you know, this is it two years left, one two, year left. Two years left, yeah. yeah. Two so, more years I left. mean, he will manage in the National Hockey League for as long as he wants to, whether it's Edmonton or it's elsewhere. But I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't been more aggressive, to be fair. I mean, do we know what Xavier Borgo or any of these top prospects are going to be at the NHL level? You project and you expect Mm -hmm. and you hope they they develop into impact Mm -hmm. players. I doubt those guys are going to be impact players for Kenny Holland in Edmonton. I doubt that. So I'm a bit surprised he's been as patient uh, as he has been because of, of the need and the level now that is changing from need to desperation for the manager to do mm-hmm. something here. Yeah, there's so much to get to with the orders. You guys have, have touched on, on the most important parts, I think. But to that point, Dregs, I will tell you that I think that Ken Holland in some ways is caught between two worlds. And one is, yes, that he absolutely understands the need to win now with McDavid and Dreisaitl, the window they're in now. Which is why, as we talked about in Insider Trading last night, Kenny Holland's been among the busiest GMs on the phone the last couple of weeks, exploring the D market. On the flip side, I think the reticence in wanting to trade first round picks or top prospects is the other world that Kenny Holland's caught in with the Oilers. I think Ken Holland went to Edmonton and made himself a promise. I have to fix this franchise that continually trades away all its futures and doesn't 
produce enough homegrown players. I truly believe that. He's never said that to me, but it's just my read from the outside that Ken Holland want to leave the Oilers at the end of his contract, knowing that they had more homegrown players on the ice that they have had in the past. The problem now is I don't know how those things can overlap and coexist in the moment to what to the point you guys have made. You're either in this or you're not. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be difficult to achieve both those goals. So you have to decide what you are if you're the enemy of the Oilers. And, you know, I know you guys agree with this, but I made this point uh, on insider trading. I- I'm a little fearful of this buildup towards the D trade they're going to make. They are going to trade for a defenseman. It's not a cure-all. This team has got to play better by itself right now. There are so many players underperforming, especially defensively on this team right now, that the idea that whoever walks in that door, that the Oilers ream off a 10-game heater as soon as that trade's made, is ridiculous. Is ridiculous. This is from within. The same guys are on this team that beat Calgary in the Battle of Alberta in the second round are on this team right now. That's where the change of the season has to happen. Yeah. yeah, there's there's been regression on a couple of fronts, guys, and a couple of fronts where they couldn't afford to have regression, right? Darnell Nurse, for the yeah. money he makes and the minutes that he plays, to have his game go the wrong way this year, devastating for them from a defensive standpoint because he just he takes up so much space, right? And he's just such healthy? a big part of every single game. Yeah, like he's, he came back yeah. healthy was our understanding. I mean, listen, it's halfway through a season, so I guess you never really know. But yeah. word Bouchard was, has he, struggled. Yeah, and yeah. Evan Bouchard, another player that that has regressed coming into this season. The fundamental flaw in this Oiler timeline towards a cup has been this. The forwards, their core forwards, have been ready for a few years. Mm-hmm. Their blue liners were lagging a few years behind. And it was never going to be where the Evan Bouchards and Philip Brobergs peaked at the same time McDavid and Dreisaitl were ready. So there's this gap. Right. Then remember the other thing that happened? They lost their second pairing. Poof, gone. Adam Larson, Oscar Clefbaum for nothing in return. Yeah. And yeah. bridging that gap on the blue line, they're top heavy with the guys here at forward, and the blue line isn't ready yet, and it's Ken Holland's job to fix it. I'm with you guys, though. Like, you know, Broberg, Holloway, this year's first, next year's first, Xavier Borgo. None of these assets should be off the table. Their timeline is go, go, go now. The biggest thing Ken Holland can do for the Oilers organization to set them up for future success is to let Connor McDavid hoist the Stanley Cup in an Oilers uniform. Mm. The chances mm. of him sticking around after, it's the elephant in the room, right? you got to win while these guys are here mm-hmm. so that maybe mm. they stick around and it's a legacy thing. I mean, that has mm-hmm. to be big time yeah. in their thoughts, Dregs. I would think so. Um, you know, again, I, I it's going to be very curious. I mean, it's not like there are, are trades every other week. And, and Ken Holland is missing the boat here, right? Like, you know, trading in the National Hockey League has become uh, a rarity anyway in terms of, of of those pieces that are acquired and are substance pieces. Um, but the window is quickly closing. I mean, it's abundantly clear that the window is quickly closing. So he's going to do something, as we've all talked about here Um you know, at some point there's going to be pressure on Holland, whether he feels it or not. I mean, it's it's not like the owner uh, is is sitting on the sidelines and not delivering some form of message, right? Whether that's directly to Kenny or through Bob Nicholson or other streams. The message is pretty loud. I think that they've got to do something, but maybe it is more internal than it is external. At this Johnny, stage. would you do Chikrin if, if, if it were up to yeah. you? If you? Would you get aggressive on Chikrin? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not saying Chikrin's a perfect player by any stretch, but left shot guy, he's got a contract he can afford. I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> Clefbaum because Clefbaum getting hurt really, really yeah. hurt the Edmonton Oilers on that deal. As good as he was, him just mm-hmm. kind of not being able to play has, has has made life difficult. But you know, that's all. That's part of that's part of the deal. Like these things happen. Lots of franchises have to have these decisions, and you know, and it looks like you know this year they missed on their goaltending solution. So. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky situation, uh, but I think you got to go. Like you got to, like I'm talking like buyouts or sweeteners to get rid of contracts. Like whatever you got to do to be aggressive, um, I think they have to explore pretty seriously. And and if you look at the playoff race, because the West is so jammed, I think the West has a little less elite in them than the East, but the West yeah. has a better competition. If that makes sense, and. You know, you got Colorado lurking just behind you. Colorado to just beat you in overtime. I'm talking on behalf of the Oilers. Um, you, you know, Colorado is going to get better. They're getting healthier. So you have to compete in your mind where that's going to go with, with the Stanley Cup champions. You know, you're right there with Calgary, your rivals. Um, is Seattle, everyone keeps waiting for Seattle to back up. I have to admit, I thought they were going to back up. And now they're on an absolute heater. So who's coming back here? LA Kings keep improving. So who's coming back to here? So yeah, you got to look after pretty, your own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you just mentioned Seattle. We should we should give them a little bit of love here. I mean, six in a row. They've scored thirty goals over those six games and given up eleven. You guys saw them through mm. out uh, in that part of the world here recently. They don't have any point per game players. Um, mm. The longest losing streak they've had this mm. year is three games. A couple of times they've had streaks of seven games, six games, five games, like. For a second-year franchise, and when the expansion happened, we all looked at each other and went, well, that was a lot tougher than what Vegas had to deal with, right? The rules were different, mm. and it's going to be different. Well, here they are in year number two, right in the playoff fight, likely to make it on a fantastic run. Uh, how great a success story is this, Dregs? Yeah, it's a real good one. And, you know, again, we just took apart the Edmonton Oilers and what Kenny Holland should be doing. Um, and I'm now more curious because I, I, I believe that the Seattle team is a good team. I mean, they've mm-hmm. proven it through an extended stretch here. And Ron Francis deserves some credit. Dave Axtell, there were people wondering whether or not he was coming into this second season as head coach mm-hmm. of the Seattle Kraken. There were some who believed that Francis was going to replace him last summer. And, and it didn't happen. He was a very detail-driven coach. Uh, but his messaging is getting through. You, anybody predict that their goaltending was going to be this good? Because I, I didn't see it to this point. Is it that good, Dregs? Well, it, it looks like. Good? Well, well, well. I, like I mean, one loss, average record, or both, above average, right? Both goalies have a save percentage in the eight hundred, yeah. don't they? Like Martin yeah. Jones has yeah. like a nineteen and five record, yeah. so wins are wins. Can't take yeah, that wins away. Wins are wins. But, yeah. but he has an eight ninety four. I mean, I was thinking the same thing because I, I think Martin Jones is such an awesome comeback story, and yet he's under nine hundred. But he finds a way to win games, so. <laughs> It's also part and parcel of the, the, the offensive game that we have right now in the NHL this year, which continues to go up the last couple of years. Yeah. I think we have to re-examine what we feel a good save percentage is too, because we're getting about 10 goals a night scored. 894 yeah, save percentage, 2.78 yeah. goals against the average. But he's got that 19 and 5 record, right? He's got he a couple of shots. Yeah. I no, agree. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not a great story and he hasn't been good enough, but I don't know if their their goaltending's not been good this year. Both guys It's a part got- of why they're good though. It is. Like at least they're well, I mean, 
you can't take the 19 wins away from the guy, so their defense no, but, is obviously better. But does he have better. 19 wins because he's better. playing well? Does he have 19 wins because he's playing well? He's playing he well enough. Four game? He's playing well, well enough, enough Yeah, Well enough because the team scores a lot of goals. Okay. Seattle reminds me, so, you know, not to drop, but, like, my first year in Toronto, we were terrible, right? Like, we were, like, 14th in the conference, no good. We had Matt Sundin and nobody else. I think I was second on the team in scoring. Like, we had nobody else. Then my second year, we got Pat Quinn, Cujo, and then, like, Derek King and Steve Thomas. And, like, you know, all of a sudden, the next year, my second year, we were the highest scoring team in the league exactly the same <laughs> way Seattle's doing it. We had Matt's, which was different. But we had every like, – we had, like, nine guys get 20 goals. We had a mm, whole bunch right. of guys kind of grow and be, like, solid depth scorers. And it's very liberating mm. for the guys on that team. Nobody feels like I have to score. Not Schwartz, not Eberle, not Burkowski, Beneers, whatever. Like they all just think I'll score when I score. If I don't, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal because somebody else will. And I'm not supposed to score every game anyways. Like I, mm. I think they just have this very communal mm -hmm. energy about them, which can go a long way. I've seen it firsthand um, when I when that one year in Toronto. And, and that's the way I see it. Like not a great defensive yeah. team but getting enough saves and they just find a way to score all the time. Cause they roll like three, sometimes four lines that can score, which is the and, way you build teams now. And really and, middle and special teams, like their power plays yeah. 17th in the league, their penalty kills 31st. So a lot of the success is coming from, from what they're able to mm -hmm. do at even strength, which that's the foundation of your game, right? If you can, if you can, you know, survive at even strength, which they're doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, adding, I mean, you want to reward the players for putting together a year like this. What's a realistic ad, Pierre, for these guys? Well, and and again, their caps in a in a decent shape moving forward compared to a lot of teams because of their infancy. And Ron Francis has been careful in terms of, of the way he's handled the cap. But we should, you know, we always talk about July first is overrated in terms of, of really impacting your team. Andre Burakowski has had a fabulous mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. And and that and they did their homework in that front office and said this guy's a support player in Colorado, but we're going to give him a prime time slot and we're going to unlock him. Washington couldn't do it. Colorado didn't have room to do it. Really, he's going to be that guy here, and he has been. So, got to give credit to Seattle <laughs> there with that signing. Um, I, I think Seattle could be an interesting player at the deadline for that reason. I think they're super excited about being in the race. I think they'll wait closer to March third to make sure you know, where they are exactly before they give up certain assets. But I could see them add because they have a little more flexibility to do it. Yeah, and I, I look, I think there'll be a certain amount of pressure to add too, right? And, that, and maybe it doesn't have to be something significant. Maybe it can be a depth add that just makes you a little bit better. Um, it matters to that ownership group, which is extensive. It matters to that fan base. You know, they're they're on the cusp of... of Nailing down a playoff spot. So if you're Ron Francis, who historically, even though he was, he did good work, as you guys have acknowledged in the offseason, you know, historically, he's a very conservative general manager. So he's not selling the farm, just thinking that, okay, let's see how deep we can go here. But I do think that he feels at least a, a hint of responsibility to give this club some help in certain areas from a fan base perspective and the fact that it's a good story in Seattle. Johnny, clearly they need to go get a goalie, so hey? Johnny, uh, well, which goal do you think I'm they'll a... target, Johnny? <laughs> Carl Vomelka. Oh, Carolina. There you go. There you go. Anti Ranta or Carl Vomelka? Because like Carolina is the perfect example. Absolutely drags because I think it would be Ranta, who's a yeah. good goalie when healthy. Um, you don't want to upset the apple cart there between the guys they have, but Grubauer has not had a good year. Anyways, yes, absolutely they could go get a goalie. Is, <laughs> really? is Eli Tolvanen 
Is Eli yeah. Tolvanen a, a, like a legit middle nine winger? He is right, right now. They'll wait to see about him. So maybe they could have someone in lieu of him. <clears throat> or, you know, a depth defense. I think I have Will Borgen playing right now. So, you know, some depth pieces. But I'm I'm serious. I would look at a goalie. I, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'd be trying to find that guy who's got 25 wins already. Yeah. That's you know, doesn't need to have a great uh, – See, I mean, if he gets wins, right? <laughs> right. Because uh, every think goalie about Carolina, by the way. the best goalie. That's yeah. how you do it. No, Johnny, your, gotcha. your point is well taken, though, because it in is, the postseason, yeah. you hit the postseason, and they're going to hit it with a little bit of expectations, but playing with some house money. And we'll see if a storyline, if they don't right. make a change, ends up being goaltending. Something tells me Mike won't forget this conversation. And if Seattle goes out and goaltending <laughs> is an issue, he's going to be like, Ryan, get Dregs back on the pod. Get Dregs. It's it's easier said than done. Like, listen, you have two goalies, one to a long-term contract, one who never loses. What are you going to bring another guy in? Like I get it's tricky, but it let, you know, somehow Grubauer is hurt or something. Then I just, I think with like, given the Pacific, is it out of the question that they could beat LA? Like I like LA, but if they play LA in two, three, it's not, the Pacific is soft this year. Yeah. Like Vegas is pretty good, but they don't have a ton of great teams right now. So um, you don't want to mortgage the future, but like, let's not ignore the present. They have an opportunity to win a round. They will be virtually even money to win the to win the first round. So I'm right. not going to just ignore the opportunity in front of them this year either. Great well, year to make forget, the playoffs. Don't forget, Chris Dreger should be back at some point, right after right. Uh, after that serious injury suffered at the World Championships right. last year. I'm just saying. I mean, he had his moments in Florida, so I guess he'll he'll get a look somehow. Okay, before we wrap up today, uh, it is the midseason of the uh, midpoint of the NHL season, so we're going to do some midseason quick hitters. I know you guys absolutely love these. Uh, I'll go over the rules and point system. Rules are keep your answers to like ten to fifteen seconds. Point system is whatever I decide. Now, the biggest issue we have is figuring out the order. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tee up the question for one of you. And then at the tail end of your answer, you choose who's going next. So say Dregs or Pierre or whatever, and then we don't have people talking over each other and you can uh, you can decide who goes next. So I'm uh, bored already. Yeah, I know you are. That's, uh, your attention span <laughs> is that of a field mouse. So we got to keep you engaged. I'll tell you what, you get the first question first. Uh, biggest surprise of the first half of the season, Dregs, when you're thinking about the year so far, what are you most surprised by? Mm, Boston and and just how how quick they were able to jump out of the gate given everything that they had on their plate with injury etc and how well Patrice Bergeron continues to play Mike Johnson Tage Thompson I thought I, he was, might be in line for regression perhaps like dropping off his pace not bettering his pace mm. and being in the MVP conversation um, stunned he's playing as well as he is Pierre I got Tage Thompson yeah, that's a great answer. I'm going to go to the Winnipeg Jets because while I thought they would battle for a playoff spot, I thought it'd be near the bottom of the bracket. But the complete bounce back under Rick Bonus, obviously Vezina version of Connor Hellebuck, has been a spectacular story. They're fighting for first place in the West. Uh, well done. You all stayed to time there and uh, reasonably <laughs> decent answer. So you each get five points. Uh, okay, we'll go to you on this, Pierre. Who's going to win the Rocket? You got McDavid at 34, Pasternak 32. Thompson 31, then a bunch of guys, Robertson, Ovi Horvat sitting at around 29. Who are you going? Uh, Where's Austin Matthews? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, he's not on the immediate <laughs> list, but Johnny, you get Doc five points for interrupting. Pierre? Yeah. So give me David Pasternak because I love the drama of his contract situation. I don't love it. I, <laughs> I love the storyline because 
he's going to win the rocket, and it's going to be like Malkin, where it's going to be June 30th at midnight, and J.P. Barry, the agent, and Don Sweeney, they've known each other forever, have to hammer out a deal before he hits the market, and dregs will be all over it, and it'll be fun to follow. Uh, I'm saying, McDavid, if you're coming to me, um, I don't know. I, I mean, Ryan, I remember having this conversation with you saying, oh, the goals don't matter to Connor. He just wants to win as a team. The goals don't matter. That's they his matter. voice. He's going to score. That's Ryan's voice. Score. He looked like an he's idiot. Gonna, <laughs> he's going to score 50-plus, uh, and he's going to push aside all this negative narrative. So uh, it'll be McDavid for me, Johnny. Yeah, Dregs. I remember Shaw, you'd be like, oh, it's all about defense with Connor. It's all about team defense. Yeah, I don't and think I said that. Here he is. <laughs> I think you're making crap up goals. now. Could, could you imagine? Like, he needs 16 goals for 50. He's never had 50. Yeah. 50 is a slam dunk. It's very likely he gets 58 or 9. I'm taking Connor, and I don't believe him. I think he wants to win the scoring, the, the Rockets. So do like, I. I think he wants to do it one time, like Sid's done it one time. I think he's like, yeah, it's part of what I want to do. Yep. As the host of the podcast, this is where I could take as much time as I wanted to defend myself, but I'm not going to because it's pointless. You guys are donkeys. All of that was taken completely out of context. Uh, by the way, McDavid, two goals in his last five games. Cooled off a little bit here on the goal scoring front. Power play, slow down. Yeah, great point by you. Johnny, 0 for 6 the other night. Holy smokes, what was that about? Jacob Markstrom ranks 23rd among the 27 <laughs> goalies with 20 starts this year. Uh, in his save percentage. How big a problem is this for the Calgary Flames, Mike Johnson? Massive problem. I'm surprised it's lingered this long. Like, I had a slow start, whatever, tough finish last year, but he was one of the best goalies in the league last year. And he's got a track record of being good. But unless he straightens it out, they will be, you know, nip and tuck to make the playoffs. It's a big, big problem. We're, we're three months and 40 games in, so you can't say it's a blip. Um, it's an issue. Dregs? Uh, agreed. Huge issue and disappointing one, obviously, for the Calgary Flames, because you guys recall when he arrived from Vancouver, there was all sorts of growing pains, the COVID issue, all of this stuff. You know, Markstrom was unsettled. And then he has that that season that he had last year. I can't imagine Brad Trilla being expected that Jacob Markstrom was going to be anything other than a star goaltender this season. And he's been anything but that, Pierre. Yeah, and he wasn't very good in the Battle of Alberta, by the way. And, uh, you know, Ryan, I think he's never been the same since I asked him why he didn't sign in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much you asking him. It was you asking him every day for the entire series, I think, that probably got into uh, his head. <laughs> that was bad of me. But, yeah, no, you know what? But, I, but, but I mean, he really uh, was shaky uh, in the Battle of Alberta, and I feel like it's had a carryover into this year, to be honest. I mean, that was one of the more surprising elements to me of a series, by the way, that everyone picked Calgary to win. Um, and he was one of the reasons why Edmonton, outside of Connor McDavid being uh, McJesus, um, not getting saves. And it's just carried over. I think that affected him, his playoff performance. He did slay that dragon this year, though. Had a real good performance against the Oilers. Uh, one of his better performances of the year. Uh, so he did get past that, which... I don't think there's going to be a playoff series between these two teams, but if there is, he can definitely lean back on that. Okay, final question. What is the right amount of stress for Bill Zito to be feeling over his first round pick, potentially lottery, belonging to Montreal in the Bedard draft? Your three choices are on his mind daily, guarantee he's thinking about it right this second, or flat out cold sweat at night. Pierre. 
Yeah, I, I think cold sweat at night, and, and you know we've all had a conversations with Bill Zito over the years. The guy absolutely is consumed by uh, by winning and by his job and by his responsibility in it. Um, you know, I think they knew they were taking a bit of a step back this year with all the offseason roster changes, but we're comfortable with the long-term vision. Remember, more cap space next summer. But where they are right now is not where they thought they'd be. Pierre, Docking five points. points. Say my name. I'll, I'll go next because Pierre doesn't know how to play this game. Sorry, Listen, I forgot. There is not a category <laughs> high enough for the urgency and panic about this. If they thought they were taking a step back, then why the hell are you giving an unprotected first-round pick away for Ben Sherrod? <laughs> if you think you're like, come on. It is like, it's okay to trade first-round picks, but you need, as evidenced by Toronto way back in the Phil Kessel deal, you absolutely need. And Montreal would have accepted a lottery protected pick because no one would expect them to be in the lottery. It is a massive, massive mistake, almost a fireable offense. Like you, you just cannot do it. <laughs> I don't want this. I don't want this to happen to Bill Zito, but I really want Florida to win the lottery. Like I 100% want them to come 10th, win first, and have to go to anarchist. Montreal just to say, what the hell is going on? Absolutely. Yeah, whatever anarchist. the highest level is, that's where he is. DEFCON 19 is where he's at. Yeah, it, it feels to me like maybe Mike Johnson got a heads up on this one because, man, are you emotionally invested in this? It's being in the <laughs> dad's impressive. basement, right? Listen, like dad's basement is bringing out an extra 20% in Mike Johnson today. I love that was it. impressive. Getting... I liked yeah. it. Uh, I'm going the opposite way. I mean, obviously he's thinking about it, so I'm going to say he's thinking about it daily. Uh, you know, to, to acquire Ben Sherratt, keep in mind at that time, Ben Sherratt was a pretty hot commodity by NHL standards, right? Like, right. I mean, there were right. a number of teams that were in, interested in Indefensible. John A. Indefensible. I get it, but they, they felt like they were they were a true Stanley Cup contender last year. So whether they felt like they were going all in or not, that was the approach. Is it a mistake? In hindsight, of course it's a mistake. It's a mistake. But I don't think that Billy Zito is a pretty cool customer. I, I he's he's thinking about it, but I don't think he's in a cold sweat or you know tying the noose anytime soon. So guaranteed, it's on his mind right now. Is likely Dreg's answer there out of the three? Uh, okay, boys, that's gonna wrap it up. That was a pretty solid little mid-season edition. I liked it. You know, we didn't do a red card, yellow card, no card today. And the quiz master is, is not happy with me because it's his favorite segment in the podcast. So we're going to do a little impromptu one here. We don't have the ultimate arbiter, Terry Ryan. Red card, yellow card, no card. Two of the three of you get to take part in this. You live your entire life a massive fan of a team. And in the most exciting part of the season where you can get together and enjoy and have drinks and spirits and fun and friends and revel in your fandom, you lock yourself in your office and sweat staring at a TV by yourself. Johnny, red card, yellow card, no card. It's a red card and an ejection. Like, why be a fan <laughs> with a blankie <laughs> over your head? <laughs> oh, Pierre. Well, like, if you yeah. can't enjoy the communal aspect of your fandom, like, if it's, like, locking, just terrorizing yourself because it's so stressful, drags. I don't know. Like, I appreciate the passion, and it's not just Pierre, but I don't know. Like, uh, if it's that serious to you, and he's not alone... It seems like it's too much. We might have to have a little session, Pierre. You and I talk this one out. Yeah, it's my, a red my card. wife would welcome your participation yeah. in, in leading that charge. It's it's a red card because anybody who's spent at least five minutes with Pierre and watching a Cowboys game, it 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 it's insanity. 
It's creepy. <laughs> it's <laughs> at times offside. I mean, yep. I, I just throw How's any adjective you want. There. It's all of those things. How's it it's creepy? I have no defense. I have no defense. It's all true. <laughs> like the gestures that he makes when there's a nice play by the, <laughs> the Cowboys. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? We're grown men here. Like, what is happening? Oh, I don't know. They, Can't wait to see your me, Super Bowl man. wing when they go all the way there, Pierre. It's going to be amazing. Oh, it's been man. a long time. Full red card for you today, Pierre. Full red yeah. card. But yep. uh, in terms of the point system, I think you won the day. So uh, winner and a loser today, Pierre Lebrun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate this. Uh, that'll wrap up the podcast, folks. Our mid-season edition here on Got Your Back, Lebrun and Rashad. Big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and, of course, Liberty Smart Security, also a valued sponsor here on Got Your Back. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will check in uh, probably later on this week. Maybe drop another podcast on Friday. Talk to you then, folks. Cheers. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices. I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get-or-done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need when they need it. They don't make excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.